Okay, welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, Ibukun. We have an absolutely great show tonight. Um, congratulations to Liverpool for winning the um, Carabao Cup a couple of minutes ago. We're going to be talking about all the matches that happened during the um, midweek Champions League, you know, the, and all, all, obviously the weekend games that happened. We're going to be talking about briefly the sacking of um, Bielsa. We're going to be talking about NBA, what's going on with Kyrie and stuff. And we have an unbelievable show once again. I'm with, I'm with AY, I'm with Oluashago. Um, So what's up, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Uh, another, I missed last week's uh, episode, so it's ex- extra special for me today. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah same. I mean, just we just watch the game, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Okay, so Olashek, please just run through the midweek results in the Champions League, Europa League, perhaps, and conference, and before we move to the mid, before we move to the weekend results quickly. Yeah, so in the Champions League, um, the the week before was the. The other round of um of four games, and then this week had the Chelsea uh 2-0 victory against Lille. Um Villarreal one-one draw against Juventus uh with, with um with Vlahovic getting another um, um goal. He's, he's, I mean he scored again twice this weekend, so he's really got such a really good start at uh at, at Juventus. But unfortunately they weren't able to win their game. It was a one-one draw. And uh, but I mean the next game we'll, we'll have them back at uh, at at, at uh, the Juventus Stadium, so you should be able to 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 get the victory there. Uh, Atletico played one one against United, was one nil for for quite a bit until uh, Elanga equalised late in the game. And um, yeah, I mean Atletico are left to to rule that they are they are like a lot of possession, but weren't able to really convert it into um, into goals. And yeah. United were able to, to get back into the game. And in the other game, uh, the last game from the Champions League, um, the round of 16 was uh, the Benfica 2-2 against Ajax. Good game there. A uh, couple, well, a mistake uh, in the in the game with the keeper more or less pushing it into the path of the of the of the of the scorer for Benfica's goal, and they were able to make it 2-2. So yeah, that's that's those, those were the games in the Champions League. And then the Europa League, um, they played last week as well, but the, I mean, the way Europa does this is they don't space it out like Champions League. So they just did all the games in one week. And then uh, Barcelona, I mean, won 4 2 comfortably against Napoli. Um, yeah, a couple, uh, a goal, goal for Bamiang in the in, 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 um, in the last goal for Bamiang. And yeah, he's able to really get going with this uh, Barca career. And then Dortmund 2 2 Rangers. Well, Rangers had won the uh, first game earlier, so they were able to uh, progress um, on aggregates. And in the Conference League, um, not so many popular teams as you'd expect, but I mean, Karabakh lost 0-3 or 3-0 against Marseille, and they progressed um, uh, th- through aggregates and also Randers against Leicester. So yeah, Leicester um, 1-3-1 against Randers. So yeah, that was the that was European football this week. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, of all the games I watched, the Atletico game against Mayu, Atletico played well, still couldn't win. You know, we talked about it last week that they were, they've been terrible. You know, this season they've been inconsistent, and it was a it was a game of two 
teams who are inconsistent. And I think 1-1, would you say it was a fair result, AY? Uh, well, I mean, I think, yeah, Atletico played well and many chances. So, I mean, you can play well. You can play well and not create too many chances. I mean, that's, I won't really term that as being, being dominant. Just one chance, and they, they took the chance. So, uh, of course, there are no away away goals here, so it doesn't really matter whether you, you know, aside from maybe you know the fact that you're going to be at home in the second leg, that there's no extra goal because it's got an away goal. So there's still there's still much to play for in the second leg, but I, I won't I won't say let's go away. That much better than United. I mean, they were more composed at the back, like you know, compared to what we've seen in the past one month or two from them. And United were just United, you know. At times they play well, at times they just they don't play well. So that was it. All right, all right, all right. Um, Olajegun, your boy is, is scoring goals in Baka. Why did the goals dry up in Arsenal? Obama Yang, you mean? Yes, yes, please. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't know because yeah, the goals have just come back for him. I guess you could say we are not playing a system whereby um, the striker is really the focal, well, not focal point, is allowed to create, to, to get on the end of as many chances as Obama would need to score goals. Because we've seen, I mean, even with the striker that we have now, uh, Lacazette has three goals in the league. One of them is a penalty, so only two uh, non-penalty goals. So, uh, honestly, I think it's a, it's a systemic issue as opposed to being a, an Aubameyang issue, even though I think he was probably nearing the, the end of his, his prime. But, I mean, if if you see that the, the, the person that has come to replace him is still struggling, even though, I mean, we can, st- we can, can say Laka has his flaws, flaws. But you see that the person that's coming is still struggling. Then I mean, after after credit, it's more to the system that is being played as opposed to individually, like uh, Aubameyang being uh, being being finished because he's clearly not. I mean, he scored. He's, he's gone to Europa League, scored a couple goals last week. He scored a hat trick. I mean, he's playing now. I, I don't know if he scored in this game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised against that uh, Bilbao. So yeah, we just see that he, he's still a good he's still a good player, and just uh, yeah, the system was was funny. All right, all right. Um, so last let's just run through the weekend results. Uh, yep, 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 yep. So in the league, um, I mean, obviously, in the week as well, there were some Premier League games, but Leeds uh lost to Liverpool six 0 I, I guess we'll turn to that because that really played into or that's been a complementary um factor in 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 uh, Bielsa getting sacked. Then in the weekend, Leeds lost again, uh, four 0 to Spurs. United drew 0-0 to Watford. Uh, West Ham won 1-0 today against Wolves. Um, not a lot of great games on the on the continent, I guess. But, I mean, Madrid won 1-0 against Rava. I kind of, again, uh, Vinicius to uh, to Benzema uh, connection. Uh, Villarreal won 5-0 against Espanyol. That's in the La Liga. Um, yeah, some some a, a, a young 19-year-old getting a first-half hat-trick and then four goals in like 50-something minutes. So, yeah. That was that's what happened now. Obviously, as I mentioned, Baka is playing against Atlas Bilbao right now. 
sorry, Olajing, yeah. sorry. Who, who scored a hat trick? Jeremy Pino is his name. Okay, okay, in, yeah. um, in from Villarreal. Yeah, the guy that's yeah, he's he's this winger that plays. Uh, I mean, he's played a couple of times for Spain, I think already. He's a he's a good player. But yeah, he scored a hat trick in the first half. And then he got uh, four right. goals in, in the game. And then, yeah, obviously, as I mentioned before, uh, Juventus against Empoli, uh, you know, mentioning Vlahovic gets a couple goals as well. So, yeah, um, a good starts for him to his uh, UV career. And then lastly, um, PSG against Saint-Etienne, 3-1 win for them, Mbappe, two goals. Um, and then Lazio against Napoli right now is on. Uh, importance not so much for Napoli, but more for La- uh, not so much for Lazio, but more for Napoli because of their um, Syria ambitions. But yeah, it's I think it's zero zero right now, so uh, keep a watch and brief on that. All right, all right, all right. You didn't. We just finished watching the game now. You didn't talk about it. The Chelsea Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought against. Uh, yeah, obviously that was that was the big one. Chelsea Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool winning on penalties. <laughs> Kepa coming out to save penalties and then <laughs> letting in 11 and then yeah missing the ultimate penalty uh in the penalty shootouts after that 120 minutes of of zero zero and get very very interesting action because that was a really good game but uh, i mean he ended zero zero and uh, liverpool eventually won it on penalty so yeah in the for the highs and lows for the highs and lows of the weekend, to me the highs was was this was this game, yeah, was this particular game, uh, on this like like midweek and the weekend the high was this game top game quality game quality zero zero game which doesn't always come about and the lows were, were, were the referee decisions again. What does the Premier League need to do about the quality of the RFs? Let's start with that before we talk about the quality of the game. Why? Oh, okay, uh, the refs, right? Well, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think what the EPL or what the FA needs to do is, I mean, it's obvious that the the quality of refereeing has uh, dropped lately. So why not just employ referees from other leagues, especially leagues outside Europe? You know, we have quality referees in Africa, like this African that officiated in the uh, AFCON final. You have uh, quality referees in Australia. In you know what you, you know what I mean? Why not just employ four or five of them, bring them to the to the to the, to, to England? You know, have them ahead of some of these guys that are still. It's obvious some of these refs are not. They're not there yet, especially when it comes to VAR. Sometimes they go check the video. Sometimes they don't. Okay, look at the one that happened yesterday with Rodri. And that's an example of things that should not be happening anymore because we have VAR. But sometimes the referee just refuses to go check VAR, or the dude on the VAR just doesn't see what the referee is seeing, and then this whole clear and obvious thing happening. The solution to me is just employ referees from other from other FAs. Go to South Africa, pick up a referee, go to Australia, pick one, go to there are quality referees everywhere. And some of them are refereeing in, you know, pretty average leagues out there. You know? So 
that to me, until the, until the, the FA are, are willing to do that, this is going to keep happening at least for the next couple of years till you know the the younger ones get better, get more experience, and everything. The thing is, the answer on young refs, anyways, like the average ref, who's the youngest, maybe Michael Oliver, or almost forty already. I mean, the average age is they are they are pushing fifty, late fifties, early fifties type of thing. With John Moss, uh, uh, Stuart Atkinson, this kind of people, like they are they are old, anyways. Well, for me, I think I mean the other day there was a there was a I watched the game and I can't remember the game, but. There was an Australian ref in the in the in the league, and it was like, oh, this is this is a new person. For me, I think as a, in addition to even like getting new reps, I think it's um the ruling they need to really have an internal debate on how they're going to really adjust the ruling and then leave it as is because every other season there's a new refereeing debate. There's oh uh how how was what's the rule going to be this season for handball was rule going to be this season for offside it should not be that like there shouldn't be that much controversy around rules of the game uh it is like for, for example like the whole handball rule like this isn't it's it's it has to be a deliberate handball nobody is ever going to handball the ball deliberately deliberately in the box except i mean last time you saw that was maybe question yeah what, yeah you know what i mean like it's it's a very dumb rule because that doesn't happen. People don't slap the ball even outside of the, even outside of the box. So while you say that for it to be a penalty, it has to be a deliberate handball. It's 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 dumb, you know. So leave set a look at it holistically, set a ruling, and then leave it as is. Do not review it. Just let it be at that, and then you can then go and then get younger referees, get more uh, experienced referees outside of the league, and then you just have a better. Um, better refereeing system than than what it currently is because right now is is really rubbish, man. It's rubbish. Yeah, that's that's what I would do. I think. Yeah, but I also think the Nigerian in me also thinks that um, for the quality of for for these poor decisions they are making, if they mess up, you find them. You find the refs, or you find the refereeing team. Nah, nah, nah. That won't be fair. Why won't it be fair? Actually, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go as far as to find the refs. No, I think I think refs have no refs have no accountability. I think that's a big problem. Yeah, I think I'm not sure they still do, but in the past, if you have a very bad game, you get sort of demoted to the championship. Yeah, but that's that's not enough. That that's that's oh, if if it's a horrible game like. Uh, people are there's 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 a lot of backlash on Twitter. Then you get demoted. That's on a day to day basis. You need to have some form of of um, rating and ranking and accountability. Yeah, I don't, yeah, in, yeah. In, in in Australia, uh, I mean, this has been talked on a lot. But in Australia, they have refs, refs that are mic'd up, and it's like you can hear what they say. And maybe if you don't want to do that after the after the game, every ref has a has a has an interview to more or less explain their decisions. Because you go to a ref after a game and you're like, you try and confront the ref and the ref gives you a yellow card. <laughs> it's 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 so it's silly. It's like yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't I, I don't I don't think players should be confronting referees after games though, because players are managers. Are, what about managers? It's the same thing. The emotions are involved. You know, if you if you encourage that, you have situations where referees are being verbally abused, and that's not fair. Even if a referee has had a bad day in the office. It doesn't mean he deserves to be verbally abused. You get me? 
Cats um, referees get interviewed after the game, the way managers and players. I, I, yeah, the, the interviews. Yeah, I, I think I support that, but I don't support. No, I don't players support. I don't them. support. I don't support. I don't support them getting interviews after every game, because I do not believe that um, for every game, yes, games will pass and there's really no incidents. There's of course, except in the EPL, which every game there's always a small incident. Sometimes some are bigger, but I think that. Games um, referee should just pass on, you know, once they finish the game. It's already tough enough being a referee to start explaining decisions and stuff for, for every single game. I don't buy into that. As much as as much as they are being terrible, you know, like what you said was was very good. But one thing I know is that what the Premier League would do is going to make. Um, those those um, those referees coming from other leagues, if they allow them or other this thing, they are going to make them jump so many hoops before they become Premier League referees. Australian ref is arguably the best ref in Australia. Is like the prodigy ref. Started refing at 24, 25, and yet, and yet they made him jump so many hoops. He did League One, did Championship before the Premier League. And he was already by far better than a lot of the refs in the Premier League, but they made him jump so many hoops. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So I don't, I, I don't know. There's really no. I'm sure there, there's a solution. But let's move on to the game that we watched, Chelsea Liverpool. Guys, talk about it. Oh uh, well, I mean, it was um, end to end. Uh, lots of disallowed goals. All of them correct. So I think. Uh, I won't um I won't up up on up on that. And uh Ariza Balaga coming in to <laughs> to for the penalty shootout and being unable to save anyone really and then missing the, the crucial kick. I think he did well though. I mean some of those you know kicks that went in were really close. He got he got his gloves on a couple of them. So I won't entirely blame him for the loss. I mean, that would that would be fair, but all you know, I mean, it's just a, it's more of, a, it's not a trophy that both teams, you know, really are after. I mean, Chelsea just won the World Club Championship ten days ago, I think, uh, and Liverpool have their sights on the Premier League or the Champions League or something. So this is just something to just add to the repertoire. You get, it's not exactly what both managers are after, as you get, but. It's just something to say, oh, yeah, I got this trophy. I won the Champions League. I won the Club World Cup. I won the Super Cup. I won the Carabao Cup. It's not like it's going to define their season, you know, for both teams, really. Uh, but um, that being said, I mean, it was, it was, it was an interesting game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, my thoughts exactly. Is like, I mean, <laughs> Klopp has really been anti I wouldn't say anti but really really down on this competition he really doesn't like it you know he's, he plays he plays his B team for a lot of the game so yeah obviously it's nice for them to win it but I mean um it's, it's not something that was really high on their priority list in the game itself um Chelsea had three clear cut chances like one on ones uh uh what's his name mounts twice Pulisic once um a good save on 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 one of them, yeah. A good save on one of them, and then two misses, and then on the other side as well. Uh, you know, Mendy. I think Mendy was the man of the match. So it was really a game of of a lot of 
high chances, uh, a lot of chances created, but you know the keepers came up strong. And uh, I mean, it was unfortunate for for Kepa. I really didn't want him to miss because <laughs> it would have been funny, man. Eleven misses and then eleven non saves and then missing the penalty. But I mean, that's that's the way it goes. I, I thought it was a poor decision to be honest because it's it's like like somebody has said, you know, it's it, it, except if uh, like he's clearly better than Mendy at at, at penalty saves. It doesn't really make sense to do that. Uh, and Mendy's a bigger co- goalkeeper anyway, so it's like. I mean, I guess hindsight, hindsight is 50-50, but I mean, I, I, I didn't I didn't see the the use of it. But I mean, it is what it is, and uh, yeah, congratulations to to Liverpool. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so so um, Ay, your team drew zero zero. You guys <laughs> chances today. Well, you I say you didn't waste chances. You created chances, but you, you drew zero zero. Ah, uh, well, I mean. Uh, if you look at what has happened in the past couple of months, I think you can see that the the, the attacking options we have are sort of reduced because uh, we lost um, we 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 loaned out Anthony Anthony Martial, and then Cavani has been injured on and off, and then we've got the problem with um, Mason Greenwood. So because of that, Ronaldo had to play four games in. I think 13 days, which, I mean, a 37-year-old in any league should not be playing four games in 13 days. The talkers of the EPL. So I'm not surprised he was not, you know, sharp on the day. Um, I guess that's on RR. I think perhaps he should have started Rashford from the center and then maybe brought on Ronaldo after 70 minutes or something, you know. At that stage, the the defenders would have been a bit, you know, tired, and then probably would have been a fairer, you know, duo. And um, another thing is, you know, we we created a lot of chances. I mean, damn, Bruno. There was a, there was a chance Bruno. All Bruno had to do was just square to Ronaldo, and he just it was we created a lot of chances. I mean, it's good when a team creates chances. I mean, if you're not going to win a game. And you create lots of chances, then you don't you don't see it as a problem because you know on another day you score one or two of them. So I I am someone that if my team drops points and they create lots of chances, I I don't take it as a negative. But the problem is we're playing City, we're playing uh, I think we're playing Spurs, I think we're playing Liverpool. I I, I the games in March are really difficult. You get so. We also play Leicester and another. I can't, I'm not. I can't really remember, but I know that I know next week we play we play City, and then we play Atletico Madrid, and I think we will play Arsenal or Tottenham. I'm not sure. So the point is, we've got lots of tough games coming up. So getting three points yesterday would have been, you know, a, a good way to end the month. You know, at least you know you know that you're going to drop a couple of points in in March, but you you, you get me. So that's the sad part. But um, um, I can see some improvement since Arrow took over. I think the team is a lot more balanced now. I think the performances have, have improved. Like I said, we created chances. Uh, I think March is going to be the month where we really know where we're at. You know? So March, you play CC first, then Tottenham yeah. afterwards, then United, uh, then Atletico, beg your pardon, pardon, then Liverpool, and then Leicester, yeah. and then Everton. 
Exactly. So, so that's, that's yeah. a tough run, run of games. So at the end of March, I think we're going to have an idea of where we're really at. I mean, if if somehow we, we get maximum points against City, Everton, Leicester, and maybe draw Spurs and Liverpool, you know, we're not going to win all those games. But, I mean, if you win majority of them, and, it, you know, I mean, we, the point What's, is at the end what? of the month, we know where we're at, yeah. What do you think about Bruno Fernandes? Okay, Bruno Fernandes is this player that, you know, he will play, he will be, I mean, he will play bad for 60, 70 minutes and he will bribe you with one good assist. You get me? And so that assist is going to make you just forget about how... how Did you just say bribe? Did you yeah, just say bribe? Because you're upset. You're going to be upset like, this dude, what are you doing? What are you? And then he just gives you the assist and like, wow, okay, good, good, good. You get so I see it as a form of bribery, for for lack of a better word, and so I, that that's it with him. I mean, lots of turnovers, lots of just I don't know, lots of pointless fifty-yard balls are never going to reach the intended targets. Yeah, lots of shots you when you shouldn't shoot. I was I asked this because I mean. I'm not a United fan, so obviously I don't like watch in-depth their games. But I really watched that United uh, Atletico game, and I was appalled. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy is horrible, and then he obviously he has the assist for Elanga, and, and you know it's a, it's a good assist. But even that pass, that was that was poor defending because I don't know why the the defender went in with that foot. It, it should have yeah, been cut out. It wasn't yeah. the right pass. It should have been to the I think it was Sancho that was making the run on the left. So it's kind of like. Yeah, I mean, like you say, man, it's really bribery because I was, yeah, I was having a debate with one of my friends. I think that guy is 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 egregious, man. It's, it's really bad. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> all right, let's 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 shift to let's just shift to one more, two more football topics, and then we'll segue to other things. Do you think the signing of Vlahovic would put Juventus back into the title race? Since the other guys are are not ready to win the league, hmm. well, I mean, um, look, I mean, Vlaovic is a, an awesome striker, you know. We all know that, but the the problem the problems at Juventus go beyond this Vlaovic coming in and just you know, and everything is solved. I just mean for this season, maybe in the summer they will sort out their life. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, we're saying the same thing. It's still the same Juventus. You get me? The only difference is Gavar which now. That doesn't solve their defensive problems. It doesn't solve the fact that Kellini is too slow. Or Bonucci is not, you know. Kellini doesn't play again. Kellini had the plays. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I was I was I'd already moved to Bonucci and Bonucci Did they have is, defensive problems? Because they have the third best defense in the league. Napoli has the best with 18 considered, then Inter with 22, and then yeah, Juventus is 25. Juventus give, they do give up lots of, you know, four, four goals. Like, yeah, like, what's the league doing? You know, what's this person doing? Uh, but I guess that's because, you know, I mean, it's like, 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 um, like you rightly said, they're in a phase, you know, the likes of Kellini are probably going to be eased out and all that. Anyway, Back to your question, I don't think Juventus will win will win Syria this season. I think I feel I feel Inter Milan will win Syria or AC Milan. 
But I think Juventus, they still have that mistake in them. You know, I still saw that last week against Torino. They go, they conceded to, um, what's his name? Um, the Belotti, yeah, the Belotti go. Belotti. Yeah, so they still have that mistake in them. Yeah, they still have that mistake in them. Even against Villarreal, I mean, they, they were lucky to win that game with, with 11 men. Rabiot, Rabiot was, should have been sent off. There was this horrible tackle. So they're just riding their luck, really. I mean, they're gonna do probably be in the Champions League. I'm not. I'm not. I think I'll give them that. But I don't think they win Syria. I don't think so. The Ultra got sacked. He got sacked yesterday. Did he deserve it, Olajan? Uh, yeah. Tenzo <laughs> uh, in a week. And look, I, I think he had a heavy loss the other day uh, before these 10 0 losses. Um, yeah, do you know? Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, this, this is a funny one because um, I was listening to uh, there, was, there was like this after the uh, tweet that was said, it was like, it must be kind of messed up for him to have brought them really much from obscurity to to get into the playoff final the first year and then not winning it and then to get in, to be champions the next year and then to becoming more or less an established, well, I guess, established Premier League side in uh, the, the year after that to then get in sacked in his first, like, poor run of form because I think this has been their fir- first uh, poor run of form. But then also, I then realised that I, I was listening, to, I watched another interview with, with Villas Boas the other day that I think it was uh, in America or something and he was watching, like, a F1 thing. I could be wrong. I'm, I, I'm mixing up where it was, but it was uh, Villas Boas. And I was talking about like in football, there really isn't a long term goal. Like as a manager, you don't have long term projects, you have short term projects. And Bielsa, I, I guess the conversation is about Bielsa now, but even on a larger scale, like with with uh, with Radnik, with Ateta, with whoever, it's always short term goals. Maybe this season for um, these guys, uh, United is to finish in the Champions League. And then you see where you are the next season after that and that kind of thing. So for Bielsa, he's done his short-term thing. He's gotten them into the champion, into the Premier League. To then start losing and losing, you can't be sentimental and say, oh, this guy has really done this for us. We should keep him. No, man. <laughs> now, it's just if he, if, he, if he stays, he sends you guys back and then your whole work is, is, is undone. It's kind of like uh, uh, Dean Smith at Aston Villa. He got them to really, as, a, as a, an established Premier League side, mid-table, after the season before... You know they had been on the on the brink of relegation. Now it's like you can't really take us further after this. Like it's time to go. And then they get in. They get in. Steven Gerrard. Obviously, he's had a rough start, but you know, is is a better manager. And then they can really go on from there. So uh, yeah, for, for managers, you can't really be sentimental about this, man. If if you're failing your short term goals, you have to go. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, why? Um. Just give us one minute of that to to add to that. Well, I think um, while I mean I understand Bielsa has a lot of flaws. One of those flaws is that he's quite stubborn. Sometimes as a manager, you need to look at your personnel. I need to look at your opponents, and you need to have you know different tactics for different opponents. The way you're gonna set up against United, City, Liverpool. Spurs is now you're going to set up against, say, Norwich or Burnley. So the, the system he plays 
works perfectly against those those little teams, but it's counterproductive against the bigger teams because when you say when you play, when you play man marking against those teams, you just need gaps for the players to exploit and all that. So I I get that, but let's not forget that they've had lots of injuries this season, and um, uh, Calvin Phillips and uh, Bamford have not been available for months now. So that's probably one of the reasons why they've been shipping lots of girls. But he didn't oh. buy players. It was his choice not to have get but, but that might not be his fault. That might not be his fault. That that could be a bad decision. We can't we can't we don't know that. So left to me, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna start Bielsa and you're placing him with Jesse Marsh, who has no EPL experience, who was not that good at at RB, are you telling me Jesse Marsh is gonna come in February and in March, and he's going to turn things around for Leeds United with this team, you know, players. That's that's the part I don't get. If you're going to replace Bielsa, oh well and good, but bring someone that is competent, someone that you know gives you a fighting chance, not just a match. So I don't get. I, I mean, what, what's the, what's that about? I don't. I don't want to drop names, but I know there are some managers that you know. If Leeds approach and employ this person, the results will be different. They, they might. They, you might have some honeymoon period and results improve, but not just in March. I mean, so well, let's let's see whether how just in March turns up. It hasn't been confirmed, but um, over the last one week, you know, the world has been, you know, should I say in mourning because of the war between. Um, Russia and Ukraine and, you know, different countries and continents are taking sides. And then, we, you know, FIFA is always talking about how um, folks, you know, um, countries should not get involved in terms of politics with football. But uh, apparently, you need politics to play football because if, if a nation is not stable, you can't play football. You know, folks don't play football in, in instability in, during war and stuff. And then now we're seeing that tons of, you know, a couple of countries are, you know, turning down. They are refusing to play Russia, that we know that part. And then we're also seeing that um, the finals of the Champions League that was supposed to be, you know, in Russia has been sent to Paris, you know, um, PSG, PSG's home ground. Um, what's, what do you think FIFA, UEFA should do in stepping in countries saying, no, we're not playing Russia and, you know, this and that and that? Why do you think FIFA and UEFA have been, should I say, they are sitting on their hands? Um, okay. I think um, I understand changing the venue for the finals. I think that makes sense. You don't want to have, you know, you're going to have fans traveling from uh, maybe an European country to, to Russia. And you don't want any you know, security issues. So I think that makes sense. But why, I mean, FIFA has this thing where they say, okay, you don't mix politics with football and stuff like that. So why will Sweden and uh, Poland say, yeah, we're not going to play Russia, even when FIFA is proposing a neutral venue? I mean, the players are not the ones instigating this invasion. You get me? Some of those players probably don't even want this invasion. So why are they getting punished? That's the part I don't get. It's one thing to say you're not going to play one leg in Russia. That's fair. Security issues, right? 
But why would you say you won't play the Russian football national team at a neutral ground? That I think that's just I don't know. It it it, it sounds reasonable because of the way the Western press would you know paint it and they'll make it oh yeah these guys are heroes but I don't I don't it, see it's, it's performative. It's performative as best for me. Yeah, you get. I don't get it. I mean, I'm not trying. This is not a political program or anything. But if the US invaded another country right now, and teams are like, "Oh, we're not going to play the US," I'm sure FIFA won't do this. FIFA won't be like, "Oh, yeah, it's fine." They won't. They won't do it. But because it's Russia, Russia is just like this country that everybody just picks on. You get. I, I. I mean, I don't get it. It's one thing. I. I get the the idea of not playing in Russia. That's fine. That's fine. But a neutral ground. What's the logic in that? Why won't you play Russia on a neutral ground? So people actually want Russia to be thrown out of the World Cup. Why? Why? I mean, come on. Olajen, your take. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I said rather, I, I don't get it. Um, it's funny because I think. In in the Europa League final twenty eighteen, a bit twenty nineteen, between um between um these guys, uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, it was in Azerbaijan, and this guy couldn't play. Uh, what's his name, Mkhitaryan, because of his uh, Armenian and uh, and uh, Azerbaijani conflict, and UEFA didn't move it then, which it should have been moved. Um, at that time, because it should never be that a player is not allowed to play in a thing because of security issues. So my thing is is more of like, why wasn't he moved then, and why is he being moved now? Like, what's the difference between um the the, the, the factors that were played then? Is it is it because is <laughs> like people have been talking about um it's it's really uh because Ukrainians are more European in their in their uh, way of life and in their physical look. Than uh, than the rest, that's why there's really a lot of um, push push back for for people to uh, to to take a stand and stuff like that. And for me, I, I really agree, man. I think it's like it's uh, obviously we don't want to get into too 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 much political discourse on here, but I, for me, I think it's um, it's it's it really it really shows where these guys have their priorities in terms of who they deem as important. So like. For for instance, like Palestine and Israel and Israeli conflicts, but Israel is still allowed to play games. Like they still play games. People play against them. They played in the they play in Euro qualifier stuff like that. So I, I don't I don't get it, man. It's it's for me. It's it's it's, it's kind of funky and yeah, it it, it reeks it reeks of of something deeper than than you know we can get into here. But yeah, that's I don't know, man. It's it's a funny one. It's a sticky one. Still. Yeah. Oh man. All right. All right. So. What we found out right now is that there's a lot of what we've discussed right now is that there's a lot of performative action from UEFA and FIFA, especially in this situation, and then that they should, you know, um, become more proactive and take the right decisions in the best interest of everybody, and of course in the best interest of uh, FIFA and UEFA to make better decisions concerning this Russia-Ukraine war, you know, in quotation marks. So, um, um, Olajeng, thank you very much for your time. Yep, yep. Thanks, man. No worries. See you guys next All week. All right. Yeah, I get it, man. Um, AY, your team is like the best team right now in the, in the NBA. 
Oh, they have the best run in the NBA. Let me use that word. And the yeah, best yeah, run, that, that phrase. Yeah, let me be right now. Let me win in 12. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I mean, we're, we're doing well. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sure we're going to be in the playoffs. So, um, I, like I said, if, if we don't run into uh, the Bucks, the Nets, the Bulls and uh, the Heat. Then we've got a chance in the first round, I think. If we run into someone like, uh, I don't know, this is a bit funny right now. You don't know who is who, really. If we run into someone that is, you know, just, you know, like the Knicks, I don't know if the Knicks will make it. If we run into New Orleans, then we'll make it to the second round. But if we run into the Nets, uh, the Sixers, I think the next the Sixers, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get to game six or game seven. If you run into the Heat, that's going to be a bloodbath because they're, so, they're as defensive as we are. So that might also get to game six. But if you run into the box, geez, I don't know. I don't think that will last more than five games. So I'm, 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 I'm getting impressed. I, I can see some progress. Hopefully, uh, we can get someone in free agency at the end of the season, someone like Bradley Beal. Or if we can get Damian Lillard in a trade, I don't know how that trade is going to work. Why is your mouth so big? Why is your mouth so big? I don't know how that trade is going to work because any trade now, they'll probably want Tatum or Brown. But Bill, on the other hand, is, is available in free agency. So we just probably have to do a form of, you know, sign, sign and trade. Or we'll go sign him out to free and then we have a lot of, a lot of players we could, you know, they're going to get up the most at, at the end of the season. So if we can get Bill and it's Bill, Tatum, Brown, that, that's the big three. Well, that big three is off. Like the big three, yeah, but Brown, and it, it works well because Brown is quite good defensively. And playmaking, Tatum is an excellent shooter. Well, maybe not excellent, very good shooter. And uh, Bill, Bill, Bill is quite, you know, his playmaking skills are known. He's also a good shooter. So if you get that kind of big three, then we can compete better. I think if we had if we had Bill on that roster now, I would say we put top three or something. But as it is now, it's not gonna happen. I just don't see it happening. You know. So, but it's, it's it's a good one at least. Uh, Udoka is 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 getting his group back. So finally, you're happy with you're happy with Ebon Udoka, right? Okay, so we're happy with as a Celtics fan. Um, Kyrie, you, you know you, what happened with um, you know, beginning of the season, Kyrie was like. He wasn't going to get vaccinated. There are so many theories about vaccination, non-vaccination. People are vaccinated, all this and all that. Fine. He plays in New York. He doesn't. He doesn't get vaccinated, and he's like, like we all said, he stood his ground. He was like, "I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm not getting vaccinated." At first, they didn't allow him to play. Then they changed their mind, told him he could come and play, and everything. You know come and play away games, which he started. Now, New York is coming to say that mandate of, you know, you must be vaccinated, won't stand the game. 
you know, very soon they are going to lift that ban. So does Kyrie, does, does this help with Kyrie coming back to play in all the games together with Ben Simmons and then when um, um, KD comes back, does this really help this team as much? Do they have enough time to gel? Can they win the, the championship this season? What's, what, what question are we asking? What success at the end of this season? With all this, with all these wrinkles in the season, what do you think is termed as success at the end of this season? With all the wrinkles that's happened so far in the season for the Nets. Oh, okay. Um, first things first, that's good news for the Nets to have Kyrie available for every game. That's wonderful news because now, if you look at the team, it's a lot more balanced now. With if Kyrie is available every time, it's absolutely balanced. It's offensively good. It's defensively good. Uh, Drummond is there now for the for because one of their one of their weak points has been uh, offensive and defensive rebounding, and we know that's what Drummond basically does. And then defensively, we know um, Ben Simmons is actually wonderful defensively. So they've solved a lot of problems by, you know, by getting rid of Arden, but it wasn't good enough because you think, okay, if, you, if you're having Kyrie for just half of the games in the playoffs, then you actually short-handed, you know. But now that Kyrie is going to be available for every game, I think I think the Nets are going to be a problem. Really, they're going to, they're going to be a problem. The way I see the Nets, if everyone is fit, and that's a big if, because uh, the issues around Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons has not played all season. It was meant to um, probably play, play next week, but because they know he's got back soreness, so they've pushed that to two weeks now. If Ben Simmons can come out, can come back, and it's the same Ben Simmons we used to know, I'll say the Nets, the Nets could do it this season. Because if you look at the West, who's coming out of the West? It's probably going to be the Warriors or the Suns, you know. And there, there are also doubts around Draymond Green's fitness. If Draymond Green is not available, then I don't see the Warriors beating the Nets. I don't. I don't see it. For for, for the Suns, Chris Paul. <laughs> you know, we know Chris Paul's you know, injury issues, especially in, in key games. So if if Paul, if Chris Paul is not available for even just two games in that final, then I mean, I have to put my money with the Nets. Also, the Nets. The Nets also have. They could have injury problems. I'm not. I'm not saying they're infallible. Because KD, Kyrie, they tend to be injury prone. So we don't know how that's going to be. And don't let's forget, they've added Dragic. Dragic was added for those games Kyrie was going to miss. But now if Kyrie is available, Dragic is going to be coming off the bench. Now check out the players coming off the bench. Drummond, uh, Dragic, um, Curry. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Uh, that's too much for our power, you know. So I don't know. Even the box, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the Eats, the, the Eats have a very solid bench too. But if that team is, you know, if that team enters a playoff with everyone fit and available and in top form, they're gonna win it. They're gonna win it this season. It's a big gift, but if it happens that way, I won't be surprised if they won it because the Lakers are nowhere to be found right now. So I mean. There's no, 
Yeah, I don't know. They, they could win it. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Okay, so for 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 what you're saying is that um for them success is winning the winning the chip this season, and um um yeah, success for them is winning the chip this season. I don't think success for them this season is winning the chip because last season the big three of um um of Harden and KD and Kyrie was just, they played together only seven games. And then this one's to, you don't know how many games they're going to play to jail from now to the end of the season and then playoffs. And we, we know Ben Simmons and how he, you know, he loses a touch in the playoffs. Although Kyrie and KD do elevate, they've had a record of elevating themselves. They are playing the playoffs. So I don't think them winning, winning it is possible. It is a possibility. It's one out of 30. You know, but I don't <laughs> think they can win it. Definitely not one out of 10. Definitely not one out of 10. You get what I'm saying. They are just get, one team out of 30. That I get one. you. I get you. Like I said, there, there are a lot of ifs. And the first if is KD and Kyrie, they can stay fit all through. That's key. So that's one if. The second is, is the Warriors having Draymond crocked or Paul crocked. Paul is very likely because it happens almost every year with him. Yeah, if he plays a couple of serious games, he's going to have a problem. Either with his hamstring or something. So I think that might happen. So I would say I'll, 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 I'll give the Nets a 20% chance of winning it all. 20%. If KD and Kyrie Irving are not 100% fit. Then I'll go with the Bucks coming out from the East. Or the Heat. I really trust the Heat, but they also have, they've had injury problems. So with Bam. The Bam is back. Jimmy Butler is back. So I would say right now the favorites from the East will be the Bucks. But right now KD is not fit. So that's why. And then I'll say the Heat are second. And then the Nets. So I'll 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 give the I'll give the Nets twenty percent. I'll give the Nets twenty percent. All right, all right. Um, so we come to the end of this recording. Just make sure you we check those out on all um podcast platforms. This is between the lines. I'm your host Ibuko. Ay was here. Oluwajiregun was here. Um, thank you everyone. Um, good night. God bless you. Yeah, God bless. Cheers. Cheers.